Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. My semester in high school. Josie Geller, you enroll Friday. You are looking at the newest undercover reporter for the Chicago Sun Times. <laughs> You're kidding, right? Josie, do you remember high school? Josie, 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 Josie. Big deal. You get to be 17 again. Okay, feeling good. Welcome to Shakespeare's As You Like It. Are you sure you're 17? I'm 17. <laughs> of course. She's never been hip. She's never been cool. Houston, Kristen Gibby. What's up, girlfriend? Are you in special ed? And she's never been sexy. You will party with them. Ugh. You'll rave with them. You're gonna get jiggy with them. Until now. All you need is one person to think you're cool and you're in. You can't just come in here, be popular in one day. 20th Century Fox presents... Guy is totally crunching on you. Drew Barrymore. Do I wanna be crunched? Oh, yeah. In a story about getting a second chance. I've waited my whole life to fit in, and I finally feel like I do. To make a first impression. I've kissed guys. I just haven't felt that thing. When you're my age, guys will be lined up around the block for you. You have to say that because you're my teacher. Actually, I shouldn't say that because I'm your teacher. Never been kissed. Okay, so moving on up... uh... To, to something I'm, I'm sure is more at your at your speed. Uh, we've got the classic uh, Never Been Kissed, not directed by Gary Marshall, uh, but directed by Raja Gosnell, uh, a famous well, auteur. What did he go on to do? I should have looked it up before, but oh, look, Phil, he gets a Wikipedia entry uh, for good. films directed by Raja Gosnell. Classics such as Home Alone Three, uh, Big Mama's House, Scooby Doo, and the and the famous sequel to Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo Two: Monsters Unleashed, the famous remake uh, of the uh, I want to say Lucille Ball and Henry Fonda movie, Yours, Mine, and Ours. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, another classic. Yeah. Uh, Smurfs, and another and another 
famous sequel that equaled and surpassed uh, the original, The Smurfs 2. Um, and upcoming, he's got Show Dogs, which has already been released. Oh, no, May 18th. May 18th. Man, so we have that gun. to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was still... actually filmed in Las Vegas, so I should be careful. I don't want to piss people <laughs> off. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, not quite. <laughs> I guess never been kissed uh, territory. He went skewed a bit younger, um, but that that's okay. He's still bringing pleasure to children everywhere, presumably, especially in Las Vegas. Um, okay, I think that's interesting. You said more my speed, never been kissed. So I don't, I don't know if I should take that as a slight, um, but if so, I would be sliding myself because I fully expected and was actually excited to revisit this one. Um, until I realized about 20 minutes in that I had not seen this before, or at least not in its entirety. So, uh, I think this may be the, uh, the least favorite thing I've watched for this podcast. Never been kissed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to go back over our list, but yeah, I, I did not have fun with this one. On certain levels, I think that's a bit extreme, but on other levels, I think you're right on with that. I I think this movie has a few choice things going for it. I think it's a good hook. I think it's a good yeah. premise. Yeah. This girl who uh, has never had a real kiss having to go back to high school and, you know... I don't know. Do that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and I think it's... Well, I think, I think the, the main lead role is well cast. I think Drew Barrymore fits this role pretty well. Uh, that, that all being said, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really have a good time with it. Uh, my, my pitch would have been that they would have had to have like a prologue covering all of Grossy Josie's high school experience. And it would have made, it would have made her, what she achieved, you know, in her mid twenties seem more uh, important you know, considering what she came from. And, and instead we get the, we get the Dolores Claiborne type, uh, Citizen Kane, uh, structure going back and forth, uh, with, you know, with, with these random flashbacks. And I didn't like that. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think the scenes are very effective coming in the middle, uh, you know, of all, like, like what does she have dementia? Like what is going on? Like she just forgets well, what happened to her in high school. Like, I, uh, <laughs> I, I liked her very more normally. And, uh, I think this was a hit right back in 1999 yeah, it was a decent hit a decent size hit uh i did look to see because I, I i just thought it was all around a hit and I, I saw box office wise it was it was all right uh i think rotten tomatoes had it somewhere in the 50s though um so not you know i thought this one got a, a pass as a, as a crowd pleaser from the critics and apparently not and normally i like drew Barrymore. uh man did she get on my nerves in this movie like okay so you're talking about the structure of it where it goes back to when she's being picked on and there are some of the i think some of the cruelest like high school memories you can really uh, like we're at carry level uh of nonsense here from people who are going out of their way um to just make this girl feel bad i, I know that's like a staple of these type of comedies like I, I guess it's it's more eventful certainly than just having someone just be ignored and people not even realize they went to high school with this person like they're just you know they're just a wallflower um but by structuring that way where she is still kind of that 
you know, bullied nerd from high school in her adult life. Um, for me, at least, I mean, I, I'm certainly not rooting against her, but I, I don't really like that she's not had much in the way of any growth into her adulthood when she goes back to, you know, pull a Cameron Crowe, I guess, and do like the Fast Times uh, experiment where she's going to write about youth today. Um, it, it feels mean and just creepy to just <laughs> have someone so socially stunted uh, thrown back into the, the pit of hell that is high school. Uh, and I had, I was really questioning why people found this enjoyable, like as a popcorn rom-com uh, back in 1999. And God help me, I don't know why I was excited about it. I guess this genre has screwed me uh, finally after some very, you know, a nice pleasant run we've had. Um, so uh, I found this really distasteful. <laughs> like... <laughs> Almost the entire bit. <laughs> like it made me mad at all parties involved here. Uh that's not even getting into the the awkward leaps they're making where the, the romance element of this rom com is a teacher falling in love with what he believes to be a seventeen year old student of his. Uh which they- it, it's funny it's funny that that never really comes up uh at any point. Like he, he never even questions it him it himself, you know. It's just you know whatever. Yeah, it's like. more like I can't believe you're a journalist <laughs> and you're 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 basically trying to write a story about me. Like like as if that would be something that would you know is gonna to move the needle one way or the other. That uh, this this man would be attracted to what is clearly an adult. Uh, what's her? You know, she's very well read in her references uh, in class. Uh, I I don't know. Um, I I don't like the ease with which uh, her brother, played by David Arquette, gets back into school and is partying mm-hmm. with 16-year-olds and is strangely like kind of a hero of the piece just because he's spreading lies and mischief to uh, to make her one of like, you know, the Heathers or the Mean Girls, like to try to boost her uh, social street cred. Um, I, it's, it's nice to know. It's nice to know that this is where our tax dollars go to, to to a public school system where anyone can just walk in. You know, they're thirty five, forty. Everyone just accepts it. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I also, uh, when you were talking about the uh, the setup here, by seeing her back, I I would have rather her look more like Drew Barrymore as we know her, or at least how they're selling her mm-hmm. on the poster, uh, like you know the like, sort of like the perfect. 90s like rom-com star right along so like meg ryan um i don't i don't like that they she's like still this ugly duckling i i think it's a far more interesting movie if she's uh still you know scarred by her high school experience and it has altered her socially in some way which it, it can to many people um but it doesn't mean that she's still you know has to is dressing like a damn nun as she's working at this newspaper like they're just i don't know it's just it's just far too broad for me and i've seen this type of thing done better before i mean i don't want to compare it to something like like almost famous to go back to Cameron crow again where you're uh having having a journalist sort of stepping outside their mm-hmm, comfort zone mm-hmm. um but that which is also uh, you know, it's fairly big uh, as far as like having a teenager covering basically like their version of like Led Zeppelin or something. Uh, it, there's a lot more that I can grab onto. Whereas here, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm if I'm rooting for Josie Geller. I don't know what they're ultimately trying to accomplish with <laughs> with her I, her story here. 
I think I think what they needed was was a transformation montage in the earlier part of the movie before she gets to the high school. Like they needed what what Mrs. Doubtfire has with Robin Williams and mm-hmm. Harvey Firestein doing you know the matchmaker matchmaker thing together. Uh, where, you know that that uh, that probably won't even make any sense. But when Harvey Firestein comes in, I that love movie that sequence. Then, what yeah, you yeah. about? you're speaking my language um, here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was such a shanda. I should never buy gribbiness from a moil. It's so chewy. No, no, I feel like Bobby. This is not working. Yeah, no, this isn't working. But don't worry, it's a work in progress. And you're my brother. I will never let you be embarrassed. God bless you. I think we're going to have to do the entire face. But look at this nice thing, though, we have here. Matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Find me a fine, catch me a catch. But here, here she shows up with the 80s hairdo and and the weird clothes and everyone just accepts it. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not looking for realism, obviously, but like like you're saying, I wanted to root for her and it's hard to root for her when when she isn't really making a concerted effort to, to look like, like a teenager um at the beginning of this movie yeah, well, she, is she trolling these people is she trolling us yeah. I, don't, I don't understand <laughs> like she's dressed up for like a renaissance fair or something um i you know stuff like this um even at this time i'm trying to remember when freaks and geeks started airing i guess it was about a year later like that's what i'm looking for with that type of like high school pain and like trying to fit in and navigate those waters mm-hmm. And this... Well, I looked this up. I looked this up because James Franco appears in this movie, mm-hmm. and it's actually four about four months before uh, Freaks and Geeks actually starts airing. Oh wow! So very close together. But like, what's another wish fulfillment movie that I like? Uh, Peggy Sue got married, where someone gets to like experience those days again with the like the the hindsight of being an adult. Uh, and one of the biggest sort. Of problems with the Josie Geller character is that she's still putting so much weight in that. Like it's like her and her brother, which I guess it's a little bit more understandable. It's like the, the jock who's, who wants to go back to like the big games, like that quickly become meaningless unless you become a professional athlete. You, you just can't experience those, those highs anymore. Uh, I, I don't necessarily like that. She becomes so embroiled in, uh, in trying to win over these high school students as opposed to doing her job. Like that seems to go out the window and it, it just makes it a difficult character to like, <laughs> to feel bad for as an adult. I feel bad for the teenage version, but the 25 year old, uh, the fact that she's never been kissed, uh, get on with it. Like <laughs> you're Drew Barrymore, make it happen. <laughs> like <laughs> You're waiting for someone to kiss you, like initiate the proceedings here. Like Jesus, uh, yeah, I, I did not, I did not, uh, care for this. I, I like, it was so bad, Ben, that I almost thought about texting. I didn't want to give away the, the goods here because I'd sort of set this up as something that should be up my alley. But I was like, Jesus, can we, we may need to pair this off with another movie. Like, such was, <laughs> such was my hatred for it. I just didn't know if I could fill the runtime of this podcast uh, ranting against it because I feel bad when I do that. And I, I was kind of hoping that you had a little bit more out of it than, than me, but sounds like no. Well, okay, I I enjoy uh, Lily Sobieski a bit uh, here. She isn't given much to work with, but I think she plays it very restrained, and she doesn't go too too far with it. And she's playing a nerd, and obviously that's a stretch. But I found myself I found myself wanting to wanting to see more of that character. Um, and I don't remember feeling that way when I was younger, 
Uh, you know, maybe it's just because I'm more aware of it. Um, and, and yeah, there's a few popular names that appear here. Uh, Octavia Spencer, who we'll see again in 1999. Uh, odd that she has such a small role. And then John C. Riley, 1999 was a big year for him. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, he starts off 99 with this thing, at least for, for our purposes. I don't know if he was in anything before that. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't get his conflict. Uh, uh, you know, he seems so concerned with the job and everything, but, but obviously from the outset, you know, who cares about the story? Fucking puff no. peeves, man. I mean, what do you think? You get the, <laughs> did they, were they watching all the president's men and thinking this was the, their story? This was their time? Like, like we got to take down Michael Varton, this great English teacher. Like, you know, that's, we've, we've really got to, that's going to move, uh, some, some newspapers here. I don't, uh, yeah, I, I I I thought it was just really bad. I I didn't. I wonder how this one would play now, uh, as far as like the, you know, the the the, the politics of it. As far as this this idea that uh, a woman needs to get over high school and go back and be kissed because I I didn't read it, but I've I've seen it sort of shared around like the uh, reassessment of like John Hughes movies from the eighties, which I think I think is and from my viewpoint is incredibly stupid to try to. <laughs> put the lens of how people are interacting with pop culture now uh, politically on something that came out decades before. Like, I understand that you may want to note that, but um, I, I thought this one, I was like, Phew, I, I don't, I don't know if the uh, the lifespan of this one will continue. I don't know if this will be some sort of streaming favorite now. Cause I, I think that people would take some, or at least they would find some of the, the actions here questionable from the, the adult participants in this young world uh you know it just struck me that um <laughs> this was handled strangely with far more grace by jonah hill and channing tatum and 21 jump street this exact same scenario where the jonah hill character uh becomes far more fascinated with reclaiming his youth and sort of getting some victories uh under his belt uh as an adult playing with children and my God, you you have the the sage advice. Uh, you have the wisdom of the stupid Channing Tatum character who can recognize what they're doing, but not lovable Drew Barrymore. It just this is icky, Ben. It's just icky business. It made me feel well. Bad. You stumped me. You stumped me because I never saw Twenty One Jump Street, so I hmm. can't really weigh in on that. I mean, uh, <laughs> but I think I think if pe- I think if people were to revisit this, they would probably have the same feeling as you or I. They would probably think, oh, yeah, this is something I liked in high school or when I was younger, and it's not very good now. I don't think this is one people would, you know, um, pretend to to love despite its flaws at this point. Uh, I really I really hate the simplistic solutions in the third act. I hate that David Arquette just all of a sudden figures out uh, what he needs to do in order to kind of bridge the gap between, uh, you know, himself at, at his age at that point and himself at the, in high school. And, and I hate, I hate that we see this big uh, argument between, yeah, Michael Varton and Drew Barrymore. And then we don't really see that concluded in any sort of organic way. <laughs> it's just the, it's, it's the sleepless in Seattle thing without the the class of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan and 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 uh and um um Efron's mother uh Nora Efron 
you know, like, like they have they have a lot of class and they can pull that kind of, you know, cinematic theatrics off uh, here, you know, not so much. Yeah. I mean, the decision seems to be, hey, she go make out with this woman in front of everyone that that'll yeah. solve everything with no <laughs> no other words needed. Just extreme PDA for the enjoyment of John C. Riley to to sell some newspapers. Um yeah, I don't. I don't get this one. I, I don't. And I, I say that now. I'm sure, like you're, you're saying, no one's really probably talking about this one anymore. At least I don't see it. You know, uh, stuff like Love Actually. I know people watch like almost on an annual basis for the holidays. Uh, and you've got Mail, Sleepless in Seattle. Certainly, those are still up there. But this one, not so much, and probably rightfully so. So, um, I don't know. Is that, is that all we have? Should, should we have combined this with another movie? Like, <laughs> well, I think when this happens, we should maybe discuss the overall arc of the experiment that we're conducting uh, to, you know, <laughs> to stretch it out a bit. <laughs> uh, I feel like we got into that a little bit the last time when we were talking about like what we've liked and disliked. But uh, what did you have on your, your mind as far as <laughs> how's Never Been Kissed make you made you reassess the, the entire idea of 99 from 99? Well, I don't remember liking it that much to begin with, but at the same time, I think that today I'm able to approach it from a more sober mind. I think there's a weird thing that happens when you're younger uh, that you're kind of, you know, you feel compelled not to like uh, chick flicks. Uh, you know what I mean? And hmm. and I, I personally never felt that way, but I know other people uh, definitely did uh, and so coming to it now, you know, the cast, is, you know, are, are all people I like. There's no one I really dislike here. Um, and so the movie fails on its own merits at this point, uh, watching it now. Whereas watching it in 99, uh, maybe I would have been more compelled to like it because cause this, was, this was one of those that, that people really gravitated towards by the time it was on video and everything um and today definitely not i remember going on a uh on a date um as a teenager and i think it was a double date and uh one of the uh young ladies really wanted to see this and i was for whatever reason i was adamantly opposed uh to it uh and i i mean i doubt i had much to act on then um because I think the options were this or uh, another film we're going to be covering, Notting Hill, which came out uh, about a month or so later. And uh, I'm like you, I, I didn't have anything against rom-coms, but for whatever mm -hmm. reason, Notting Hill appealed far more to me. Uh, I don't know if... I think maybe when I was in high school, I probably had less patience for seeing uh, films about the high school experience at that time. I, I, I think I, you know, I wanted to see... Uh, adult stories. I didn't. I basically just didn't want to go from high school to watching uh, probably a better, more uh, entertaining high school experience. Uh, I wanted to get out of that world for a little bit. That might have been my only qualm with seeing Never Been Kissed at that time. But I, I still, uh, slight spoiler for our Notting Hill episode. I feel vindicated even more so now for <laughs> disagreeing and say no. Let's let's go see the Julia Roberts joint instead. Um. But no, I never had anything in particular against uh, rom-coms. I probably would have avoided like the plague. Uh, she's all that though. Like I think <laughs> that one uh, would not have appealed to me. But I think Drew Barrymore, especially in this time period, 
maybe not as classy as Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, but I think it, it gave it a bit more of a pass than someone like Freddie Prince Jr., which would have been very uncool as a 16-year-old to be willingly going to see whatever he was producing at that time. Well, they're at least putting her, they're at least putting Drew Barrymore in ugly sweaters and stuff. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. I, and I know this sounds like a minor point, but when you do that, at least you provide the audience with some sort of willingness to escape into the world that you're presenting. But when, when you have Rachel Lee Cook and she's all that and they have her in the swimsuit and she looks great, you know, how can you believe that she's the dork or the outcast or whatever? Um, and, and Barrymore, Drew Barrymore had been in two films in the year prior, uh, that I like, uh, Ever After and Home Fries, both, both pretty enjoyable movies. Uh, and this was a hit for her as well. But if you look at her career, um, she hasn't really been in a hit since, uh, Music and Lyrics in 2007. So I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Drew Barrymore being the descendant of you know, a silent uh, uh, screen star of, you know, the all-time great, you know, Hollywood, Golden Age and all that. Do you think at some point she makes a comeback and, I don't know, has some <laughs> big role that everyone talks about? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, uh, it's weird because I know uh, she had a lot of success, I guess, as a producer. Uh, like, I, I think this one in particular, I think, was from her production company and she uh had a, a big hand in the charlie's angels franchise um behind the scenes as well like she was you know picking her own material uh to sort of shape her career uh so i i don't want to accuse her of being uh lazy but it is interesting with certain big stars like this and even someone like julia roberts where it's like i, I don't know i don't believe it's the audience rejecting them i do feel like at a certain point um, they, they reach a point where they're not, they, they're, they're no longer entertaining being movie stars or, you know, it gets tiresome to constantly find like this perfect material and they burn out. Like she's, uh, did she only direct one film? Was it Whip It? Was mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. uh, I never saw it. I never saw it. <laughs> I didn't care for it, but, um, it is disappointing. I think, uh, I, I, I always dislike when I see like an actor, um, in particular, someone with her clout who you would assume could uh, get another project off the ground, take that one time uh, behind the, the camera shot and uh, then don't, you know, further pursue their, their craft in that regard. Um, but for the most part, uh, I just watched um, this week as well by the same screenwriters, uh, Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein, the uh, he's just not that into you, which she has a she has a very small part in that an ensemble film. And uh, I think what's most disappointing is that she never really, she never really breaks out of that playing like the the, the sort of the bubbly girl mm -hmm, part. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you mentioned music and lyrics as last hit, and I was like, I didn't that one all you know they all run together for me. I'm like, which rom com is that? I think uh -huh. the last thing I saw her in was uh, like a melodrama with Tony Collette, uh, "Miss You Already," which came out. About three years that bombed. ago, yeah, that bombed. Big bomb. Uh, Big she bomb. tried to go back with Adam Sandler and blended uh, in 2014. Uh, no dice there, and uh, I guess she's having. I, I, who knows if anything on Netflix is a hit, but she's on that uh, TV series, like the zombie series that they they have. Um, I don't. When know. in when in doubt, when in doubt, star in a Netflix uh, zombie series, and <laughs> you know. 
I, you can't, I f- there's always money in the Netflix zombie series. <laughs> I, I find it uh, disappointing because uh, uh, while like you know Charlie's Angels or this uh, were not you know in my particular wheelhouse, uh, I I like when uh, when actors uh, have that strong of a hand in shaping their own their own destiny. Uh, and I, I wish you know as a screen performer she had she had continued that, but it doesn't seem like she. Um, has much interest in, in doing anything new. Um, and that, that's a shame. Um, that being said, when you mentioned ever after, I'm like, Oh, I've not seen that. And I'm like, home fries. No, don't think I saw that one either. So maybe I'm just not that the world's biggest Drew Barrymore fan, but she seems likable in interviews. Ever, ever after, ever after has some good scenes between her and Angelica Houston. Uh, there's a particularly memorable one where Angelica Houston, uh, where, where Drew Barrymore asks, uh, could, could you have ever loved me? And Angelica Houston says, how can one love one's pebble, uh, a pebble in one shoe? Um, and they're playing a Cinderella oh. stepmother uh, scenario. And so she's a good actress. Uh, she can pull off a lot uh, given the right material. And I, I think it's time for reinvention. I think it's time for her to play a mother or something like that. Why, you know, why wasn't she in up for the, the, the role in bad bombs or whatever? Mm. Uh, that's what I would peg her for now. Uh, I, I think Netflix has her now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to continue the tradition of uh, the new tradition of giving you trivia to guess what the next episode is for 99 from 99. So the next one is a three letter title and it comes from a director who is most famous for making a movie about a paraplegic and making a movie about a, that was a ghost story. Um, and uh, yeah. Do you need more than that? I, I think I, I don't actually get the uh, two secondary clues, but the uh, you said three, three, uh, do you say three word title, three letter? Yeah. Three, three, three word words. title. Uh, three words. Uh, it's already in my head, uh, but not from this version of the film. I'm mm-hmm. with, with Cameron Crowe on the, the brain. I'm I'm thinking of uh, <laughs> the opening. Uh, Penelope Cruz's presumably Penelope Cruz's voice as she says "Abre los ojos," and uh, so this would be uh, "Open your eyes." Uh, the, the original version of that. That uh, uh, it's kind of breaking the rules a little bit for us. I think it came out a couple of years before, but this uh, in April of 1999 is when it got its U.S. release uh, limited, I'm sure. This will be an interesting rewatch. I have not seen this film in over 10 years. And um, yeah, that's all I want to say about it at this point. (laughs) All right. I Unfortunately, I have. I I did it for uh, another podcast, original remake. And uh, so I I paired both of them up. But uh, it's been a few years since that happened. So I, I look forward to checking it out again. I was a... Um, I was definitely very interested um, when a Vanilla Sky came out, so I'm not going to play that hipster card. I I'd had no knowledge of it before Vanilla Sky, so uh, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun to watch. I'm not I'm not going to revisit Vanilla Sky for the conversation because uh, I'm going to try to try to detach myself from it since how it's how I was exposed to this previous film. So I'm just going to watch it on its own with nothing else. Well, that might be a good strategy, and so maybe I should employ that as well. So. You don't have to. That could be disaster, <laughs> and that could be leading you to that that path of disaster. But yeah, that that's how I'm going to do it because I've I don't know if I've ever watched it without 
uh, having Vanilla Sky right there with it as a you know as the companion piece. So I, th- I think this will be the first time I give it a fair assessment on its own. If you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99. 99 99.